We're good. Oh, you're good. You're and good. stop. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunk and Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And your apartment smells like smoke right now, and it's kind of a lot. Yeah, it's kind of burning my eyes. I was seasoning a walk, and that took, that was the whole thing. We're back. I feel like we just recorded. We did just record. But I've also, I've seen you a lot lately, so maybe that's what it is, too. Yeah, I think I'm just getting used to seeing me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because we used to, like, not face-to-face, obviously, this often. Yeah, so I see you all the time now. Yes. Um... Is it, so I guess it's my update yeah, for binge watch. Um, yeah. I haven't really been watching TV. I, I say that every time, I feel like. And then you date like six shows you're watching? Um, yeah, I mean, we watched The Last of Us, which was good. We're watching The Secession. We're watching, not The Secession, but you Secession. Can't I can't even say, say it. Say it. <laughs> Succession. Succession. Um, now, which is fantastic. I'm not even watching that show, and I know how to say I, it's it. It's a word I can't say. I'm sorry. Um... What else? The Mandalorian. But I guess none of those are really binge-watching because they're, like, releasing episodes still, but it's still shows that we're watching. We watched the first three, and then I just haven't had time to dedicate to watching more. I think we watched the first four or five. I haven't had time either, so we're behind on that. Um, I guess that's really it. It's been... uh, Getting used to like going to work and then coming back and then having to work out and have time for all of this is tough. Didn't you do that in California? I didn't have to go to work as often. Oh, okay. No. I feel like I have a lot more free time in California. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, so what are we drinking? This is a fun one. So today we are drinking Juicy Predator from Off Color Brewing. Um, so this was really funny. They they actually changed the Instagram information on it. So I was going to read what it said, but they updated it. So it's not as funny anymore. But on April 1st, Off Color uh, basically announced this beer, which is a double dry hopped version of the Apex Predator. Mm-hmm. And their whole shtick is that they don't have hoppy beers. They yeah. don't have IPAs. They don't have a hazy IPA. I mean, this is a farmhouse still. But it's more hazy, similar to an IPA than anything they've made. Yeah. And they released it, they announced it, I should say, April 1st. So us and everyone else on the internet thought it was an April Fool's joke. Right. Because everyone else, like, that does beers, they announce, like, a crazy beer. It's definitely not real. Right. And, like, for them, having a hazy version of a beer is definitely not real. Yeah. For this time. Yeah, this time it was real. So it was just really funny because they literally had to change all the information to say, no, this for real, this is a real beer because Um, it's... I remember you sending this to me and you were like, this sounds so good, but too bad it's not real. Yeah. (laughs) And and then, yeah. It turned out to be real. So this is a double dry hopped farmhouse ale using trident hops um they call it a um or they describe it as a beefed up version of apex predator mm-hmm. um it's got four times the dry hops or yeah. what they quantify as way too much yeah it says on the can so a secret ingredients so many hops yeah 
Uh, what I like about what they did here is they, like, tell you everything that's in here. I mean, that's how all their beers are. Right. Um, but that's nice. They also have labeling on the side of their can specific to Saison. So if there's you get another Saison from them, it'll have the same image. Oh, that's nice. And then if you have another dry hopped beer, because I think beer for lounging is considered dry hopped, mm-hmm. that will also, that symbol like will be there. Pendant. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, so we're drinking that today. The can art's really pretty. I like it. It's got There's bats. a little bat. Freaking bats. And a sleeping tiger. Because that's the predator. Well, the predator's a lion. Oh, this is a, definitely a tiger. I, I see that. I'm looking at the can. I'm just telling you, on the Apex Predator can, it's a lion. It's just a bunch of bats and sleeping cats. Sleeping cats. Which is cute. What I like about this is that it's still got a very farmhouse flavor. It's not like It's over... got kind of that like um, hay flavor yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's not like overwhelmed by the fact that there are dry hops in, or it's dry hopped, um, which can be overwhelming as a flavor. Mm-hmm. So it's still got that like core farmhouse flavor then like kind of accompanied by that like sweet juiciness from a yeah dry hop. i find at least my experience drinking it you get the juicy flavor up front and then it fades into that like bitter dry saison yeah or farmhouse however you want to call it same thing for the purposes of this beer and it's got a really nice um like texture mm-hmm. from the oats so it works like really well it's a little creamy a little yeah. creamier texture-wise than a traditional farmhouse ale. Right. It's got, like, a bitterness, but then it's creamy, and then it's got, like, that Very earthy. Smooth, yeah. Um, and then juicy. It's got a lot of flavors going on, but they all kind of complement well. They work really well together. This beer is really well done for mm-hmm. what we thought was an April Fool's joke that we're very glad it's a real beer. Yeah, I'm a little bummed out that this is just, like, a one-time release. At least, at least as for of now. now. Yeah. Because um, this is... It's a good beer, and... It's fun. Apparently, it's still on draft at the tap room. Yeah, they had quite a bit when I picked it up, our four packs. I feel like this would be really good on draft, too. Oh, yeah. We've only had it in the cans at this point. Yeah. It's especially, like, this is, like, super cold right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I drank it warm the other day, yeah. and I thought it was still pretty good, so <laughs> it's way better cold. All right. Do you have three words? I'm going to say juicy... Bitter and I'm gonna use hay is my third word. I think those are the three I would use as well. Hey. There's a really like upfront bitterness, and then like immediately after the juicy like mouthfeel, soft mouthfeel take over, mm-hmm. so that bitterness doesn't really like sit with you. It just mm-hmm. kind of like is there at, at the beginning. Cool. Um, so that that being said, let's get into the episode. Yeah. So we're gonna do a two parter. So mm-hmm. it'll be this episode and next episode. Yep. Um, we thought this would be fun to talk about because we had done a segment of this group. Well, I guess the bigger part of this group, mm-hmm. we did uh, two episode bit on two episodes, one episode. I don't remember. How I think many. it was two. We're going to talk about and well, I guess I should say why we're doing this. So May 30th. 2003, so 20 years ago, in May, which is why we're doing two parts for this, is going to be the 20th anniversary of the Pixar film Finding Nemo. 
That was a long way for me to get there. I don't know. I've had it's, two beers before this, so it's don't It's funny, because, like, I feel like Finding Nemo doesn't feel that old, because I definitely remember, like, seeing it when it came out. I definitely saw it in theaters. And I don't remember it being that old. No. But, so, because of this, we were going to talk, um, Pixar. Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the Finding Nemo anniversary. So, we'll kind of talk... Pixar today, Finding Nemo next yeah, episode. It'll kind of all sort blend of, together. Yeah. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> sure. Pray for us. Um, we have not done like a research episode in a while, so uh, yeah. Do you want to take us into some history? I saw this um, thing that a couple of weeks ago, um, and I want to talk about it. Okay. So, um, obviously Pixar is well known for their movies, and I also made a note that they're really well known for this program called RenderMan, and it's a 3D rendering software used to create their animated movies. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's been licensed out to other companies, but it's the way that they render it is, it's like a super unique process that didn't exist up until Pixar came out with it, and it's been modified over the years and it's eventually how they began to work with disney and then disney eventually purchased pixar okay that's how the disney connection came about was using the software that the pixar engineers developed okay so pixar has had 26 feature films and a whole bunch of short films uh the first feature film was toy story in 1995 which was the first fully computer animated feature film as of July 2019, their films have earned approximately $14 billion in the worldwide box office. They have four films ranked in the highest grossing films of all time, being Toy Story 3, Finding Dory, The Incredibles 2, and Toy Story 4. Interesting. That's in the high, 50 highest grossing films of all time. That's wild. I believe, and I Is might have... Toy Story 2 and 4? 3 and 4. 3 and 4, Okay. Um, I actually believe that The Incredibles is the highest grossing animated feature film of all time. Oh, wow. Or The Incredibles 2, I should say. Yeah, and that one was like... Came out in 2018. Yeah, and it was like the first Incredibles came out in like 2008, right? It was like 10 years uh, later? 2004. Okay, so 14 years later. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So just some background on Pixar as an organization and a whole. Um, it was started... It, it, depending on how you, who you ask, it started in two different times. Um, either in 1979 as part of Lucasfilm's computer division, or it's been argued that it actually started in 1974 um, by the computer graphics lab, a part of the New York Institute of Technology. Okay. So this guy, I'm reading on my phone, so it's hard to read. Um, Alexander Schur was trying to build an animation studio as part of the NYIT, with the goal of creating computer animated films and the main group of engineers working for him eventually left to go work for Lucasfilm, which was the first like standalone division that became Pixar. So that's why depending on how you look mm -hmm. at it, 1974 with the NYIT or Lucasfilm in 79. In 1982, the team started working on special effect film sequences with industrial light and magic, which is a segment of Lucasfilm. Okay. And they created a couple of really well-recognizable um, film sequences for that time. So the Genesis Effect in Star Trek II, which is the Wrath of Khan. That's like a really well-known film sequence that they created all with digital effects at that time, which was like not a thing. 
And they also created, I haven't seen this movie, but I've seen clip this clip before in a film studies class. It's like a film bit called The Stained Glass Night. And it's all like computer generated effects that again, did not exist. So these were like super groundbreaking things in 1982. Originally, they were called the Graphics Group, just within Lucasfilm, but then they were spun off into the standalone corporation of Pixar in 1986. Fun fact, Steve Jobs was the majority majority shareholder of Pixar in 1986. I did not know that. That's interesting. Apple was like a huge investor in getting them to spin off into their own company. Okay. Sorry, I'm talking a lot, so I have to go keep taking sips of my beer. Taking glugs. Take like a glug. Okay. <laughs> um, in their independent company era, uh, which lasted from 1986 to, uh, I mean, I have a note of them. They were an independent company until about 2006, so 20 years. Um, Walt Disney was interested and eventually bought and used Pixar's uh, image computer and their software as part of their computer animation production system. And they used the Pixar technology to migrate like the inks and paints part of 2D animation into an automated method. Okay. So which previously was all extremely manual, they used Pixar's technology to make it automated and make it easier for the animators. The first film to use this um, animation process was The Rescuers Down Under, which came out in 1990. They were trying to push their like technology as like, a mainstream market product, because again, this is like before they were making their own independent films. Um, they had various issues trying to you know get sales, get people to purchase this equipment and the software. They had pivoted back and forth on like what makes sense is like what is the product they're trying to sell, what they're doing. And then they actually created what is now known as the Renderman system that they're really well known for came out around this time. And that was the item that they ended up selling for the most part. Um, They worked with Disney in what at the time was a historic $26 million deal to produce three computer animated films. One of them was Toy Story. Okay. Um, they actually thought that Pixar was going to fail, but then as Toy Story kind of picked up traction, it, they realized the success this was going to bring. They were like, oh, this is like a game changing thing. Mm -hmm. Being able to create movies like this. Yeah. Um, there were a ton of disputes between Disney and Pixar between, you know, the late nineties, you know, early two thousands, which eventually were, they worked out a deal where Pixar had complete control around the production, the story, the characters for all their films. And then Disney got like a first right of refusal for any sequels. And they got um, a Disney to the distribution of the Pixar films. Okay. Um, There was a lot of issues and disagreements around this time because like the Incredibles and Cars were in production and like in the process of being made while these Disney agreements were, you know, kind of coming into place so disney was like trying to fight for the right to these films while pixar was trying to fight that they still owned them as they were creating them Mm -hmm. um pending the purchase agreement from disney which was you know came into place in 2006 ratatouille was created and intended to be solely pixar property and then disney would only receive a distribution fee but because ratatouille came out in 2007 that didn't matter anymore because disney already owned pixar 
And yeah, Disney officially purchased Pixar in like spring of 2006, and they made a whole lot more movies together. Yeah. And now there's no more disagreements, and there's no more <laughs> fighting uh, over who owns the movies, because it's all one big mouse corporation. One big mouse corporation. Um, that was a lot of words. All right, now I can okay. <laughs> sit back for a second. So I'm going to do something fun. So obviously, like, Pixar movies are very highly regarded as... Like fantastic films. Yeah. Um, great storylines, great animation, great effects. Really emotional. Really, yeah. Um, they're, they're big movies when they come out. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember as a kid, like, I saw, I think, almost every Pixar film when it came out in theaters as yeah, a child. Yeah, there's a lot of hype around them. So I thought it'd be fun to go through the Rotten Tomatoes scores of... Actually, maybe there's a Metacritic. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes would be... Is there a letterboxed score? Because um, no, that, that would be more There's fun. a Metacritic. So that, like, is a... Metacritic is, like, compiles all, all the critics. Yeah. Um, and let's... Um, we're going to go from worst to best. Uh, worst rated to best rated. Um, oh, wait, no. This is... I went the opposite way. Sorry. So, this is just according to Metacritic, um, and I want your guess at what's the, the worst rated one and what's the best rated. I think the lowest rated one is probably Cars 2. Okay. I've not seen it, so I don't actually know okay. if it's the lowest rated or not. Um, my highest, I'm probably going to say, is Toy Story 3. Okay. Uh, so, the lowest out of the 26th. Is Cars 2. Hell yeah. With a 57 composite score. I never saw either of those movies, <laughs> so that's why I assumed that it was Cars related. Yeah. So number 25 is Cars 3. There's a third Cars movie? <laughs> I honestly did know there was a third Cars I, I assume there's only two. Um, number oh, I should have said, I just saw your phone. I should have said that one, because I heard, I heard people really didn't People like didn't it. care for this one. Uh, number three, I guess I should go backwards. So number... 23? I don't know. I don't do math. 24 is Lightyear. That came out last, last year. year. I heard um, people did not care for that. And it was considered a flop, even it, though Chris Evans is the main voice. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. Number 23 is Onward. That's um, that's the one that came out in 2020, right? Yes. I think. It doesn't have years on this. Mm. Um, number 22 is Monsters University, which I completely forget is a movie. I forgot that was a movie as well. Um, number 21 is The Good Dinosaur. So, like, one of the few not-sequels that they've done? I haven't seen that, but my I bought my nephews some stuff related to that for a birthday or Christmas or something. Number 20 is Brave. Um, so let me just say start by saying, once you get out of Lightyear, these are all considered, like, high positive, positive ratings. ratings yeah. yeah. So they're green on Metacritic. Okay. What so, number are we talking? Um, Brave, number 20, has a score of 69. Hey. Um, and I don't agree with this next one. Number 19 with the score of 71, Luca. I love that movie. I haven't seen that one. Um, I, I just really know cute. a lot of the so- yeah. sounds. Silencio, Bruno. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that movie is really fun. Number 18 at a score of 73 is Cars. First one, okay. The first one. Number 16, which is a tie at a score of 77, is A Bug's Life. I love that movie. Um, the other tie, what it's tied with is Finding Dory with a 77. Um, number 15 with a score of 79 is Monsters, Inc. I like that one too. 
Number 14 with a score of 80 is The Incredibles 2. I saw that one, but I don't remember it. Also, I played the Lego version of that, so you think I would remember what happened? No. No. Um, Number 13 with a score of 81 is Coco. I will talk about it later, but I have a Coco story to tell. Is it going to be you shaving me? No. Oh, okay. What? Because I never cried during Coco. Oh, no, I will shame you for that again, though. Yeah, I never cried during Coco, and everyone thinks I'm like a monster. You are. Um, Number 11 is also a tie with a score of 83. We have Soul. That was a fun movie. That was really cute. I don't think it was better than some of the other ones that have a lower score. Um, the other one it's tied with is Turning Red. I like that one. That was a really good movie. Um, number 84, or sorry, number 10 with the score of 84 is Toy Story 4. Uh, number 8, which is tied with the score of 88, is Toy Story 2 and Up. I love oh, Up. Oh, I love Up. <laughs> I do too. Number 6, tied again, is Finding Nemo. Great, great movie. Score of 90. It's the reason we are here today. Um, also tied with The Incredibles. Uh, with a score of 92, number five is Toy Story 3. Damn, I thought, I was going to say, that I remember that got like a perfect Rotten Tomatoes rating when that came So out. the Rotten Tomatoes list is actually different than this. Okay. Because I think. This compiles other sources. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think they had like Finding Nemo, a, a score of like 99. Sure. Um, 94 as a score, number number four is Inside Out, with, like, a huge cast list. Yeah, that one's a big movie. Um, oh my god, I love this movie. The Score of 95, number three is Wally. That's a great movie. I love that movie. So, I, were, I it came out, I think, when I was a senior in high school, and me and my friends were obsessed with Wally. Like, we got Wally posters, and, like, as 18-year-olds, we're just, like, maybe it came out when I was 17, but we're obsessed with Wally. Number one, Tide. With a score of 96 is Ratatouille and Toy Story. Original Toy Story? Yeah. Original Toy Story. Um, but the difference here is, so on on um, Rotten Tomatoes, um, Rotten Tomatoes has... Ooh, wrong order. Toy Story 2 with 100%. Toy Story Original with 100%. And then Finding Nemo has a 99% sure. on Rotten Tomatoes. So the, the scores are a little, little different because Metacritic, uh, I think it like weights certain things. Sure. Um, but then number four is like Inside Out. But the top ten are like all Toy Story movies. Um, what are your thoughts about like the Pixar shorts? I... I like them. I think it's fun to, like, start the movie off with a short. That's, like, the one thing that stands out to me the most about Pixar films is that's, like, the thing. Is there's always, mm-hmm. like, this little short, short film yeah. before I the like, whole one. I like that they do that. I think that they're fine. Um, Can you guess what the first time that a short was used was? Did that sentence make sense? Yes. The first movie that, that had a short. short. Correct. Finding Nemo. Uh, Bugs Life. In like the 90s? Mm-hmm. Nice. I did not, I wouldn't have guessed that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite short? Um, the one I always think of, just because it came out when I was like a kid, was the Knickknack, which is the one where it's like in the snow globe. Uh-huh. That's the one before A Bugs Life. Okay. But I like the one where it's like the little bow. 
I do like the low bow one. Um, I can't remember which one this one came in because it's the one I always think of. Where does this one show up in? Um, the one I always think about is Piper, which came before Finding Dory. Which one is that? It's the one with the little sandpiper bird oh, that like yeah. sticks his head into the or like digs into the water yeah, 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 and sees yeah, the yeah. plants little muscle things come out. Um, I just think that one's really cute. I love little sandpiper. I don't think birds are real, but <laughs> I think that little piper. Um, I'm looking through the list of them, and some of these are like I just find it funny because I like forgot about some of these. The one before Monsters Inc. was called For the Birds. And it's the one where it's the birds on the telephone line and the mm -hmm. big bird comes and like sits with them. Yeah. So Piper was the first Pixar animated short to win um, an Academy Award since that one, since For the Birds. Yeah. Some of these are just like so cute going back and looking through some of them. I'm looking at the list now too. And there's also some of them that, um, some of these came through, like, on, uh, like, on the DVD. You yep. would get, like, additional shorts yeah. on here. So I'm just, like, scrolling through some of this list as well. Like, Jack-Jack Attack. That's, like, a really famous mm -hmm. one from the first Incredibles. Yeah, because they also did shorts with, like, some of the characters sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot about Jack-Jack Attacks. There's one that I remember. Oh, yeah, they're, like, referred to as feature-related, right? Yeah. Yeah. What I did not realize were a lot of these shorts were made several years, like even prior to Toy Story. Okay. So like Knick Knack was created in 1989. Okay. And then it was aired with A Bug's Life in what, 98? Okay. So it had been around for a while. So they just like found an opportunity. Repurposed yeah. these previously made computer animated shorts. Yeah. I think that's fun because like... There's they, like the lamp one, Luxo Jr. from... That was made in 86. But well, that's think, the lamp, the Pixar lamp. Yeah, that's the one yeah. that they show before Toy Story 2. Yeah. I love the little Pixar lamp. Yeah, that's the one where it's like the big lamp and the little lamp mm -hmm. playing with the ball. Yeah. yeah. But also, it's like the is it the little lamp that's like the logo. The well, I mean, logo. it's, it's I mean the big logo. The big lamp is like the main logo. The one that jumps. Yeah. and takes the eye. Yeah. Right, but so like the concept of Luxo Junior is like you just take a regular lamp and they have like a mini lamp. Yeah. And there was also the one, another one that aired before Bugs Life was Jerry's Game, where it's like the old man playing against himself in chess. Mm -hmm. I remember that one pretty vividly too. These are fun, cute little things to look at. So I have some fun facts. Okay, hit me. Um, just kind of about movies that they've done. Okay. Um, so the villain in Up is named Charles Muntz. 
after the man that stole Walt Disney's production rights in 1928. Uh, he stole the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Um, uh, and that's yeah. what sparked Disney's creation of Mickey Mouse. Right. I remember this. Um, there's a hint. So I think in all of the movies, if not almost all, um, sorry, almost all, if not all, there's always a hint to the next movie that they're going to release. I have heard that they do too. So in, um, the end fight scene of Cars, there is a car that resembles Doc Hudson. Um, sorry. In the end fight scene of The Incredibles, there's a car that resembles Doc Hudson from Cars. Which was released later, and so all of them have like some kind of Easter egg or hint mm-hmm. for the next. Yeah, movie that's is is uh, in Monsters Inc. Boo has what is it? Dory, yes. a stuffed animal of yeah. for Finding Nemo because Finding Nemo came out immediately after Monsters yep. Inc. Um, so when Remy's climbing out of the sewers for the first time in Ratatouille, he's barked at by Doug from from up. up. Um, you can't apparently you can't tell, but. You can, it's the same silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sully has over 2 million individual hairs, and it took 10 to 12 hours to render a single frame of him because of the, the two Yeah, I remember my we had the DVD of Monsters, Inc., and they had a whole like behind-the-scenes thing about the technology of designing the monsters. Yeah. And I remember reading... Like, hearing like Sully was like insane yeah. it was like that was well, like groundbreaking animation you can, technology you can the see that animation used in Disney as well like mm-hmm. with Frozen mm-hmm. they like render I think their hairs individually okay um, which is why it's so dynamic mm-hmm. and like that's kind of one of the the main I guess plot like not plot points but like main draws I guess mm-hmm. of the animation style used in Frozen interesting um Another one that kind of reminds me of, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, more next episode, but I remember seeing the way that they designed the lighting in Finding Nemo, because, like, you're deep under the water. Right. How do where's you know? Where's, yeah. So yeah. a lot of that con- like the conceptual work, I remember being yeah. really interesting, too. Um, so Toy Story is the first animated film in Oscar history to be nominated for Best Screenplay. Um... Carl never speaks directly to Ellie in Up. Uh, so in the movie, Ellie does all the talking, and then in the montage, there's, like, no words. Just right. musical noise. Music? Music? <laughs> musical noise. Okay. I couldn't. I couldn't say that. Um... Ken wears 21 different outfits in Toy Story 3. Are you thinking about Yeah, I'm trying. I mean, I haven't watched that movie in a really long time, so not like I'm, I could sit here and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But like, no, that's creative. Everybody's so creative. Everybody's so creative. Um, the man who designed Eve and Wally also designed the iPod. So that was Apple's senior vice president of industrial design, which is wild to me. I mean, Apple and Pixar have some long tied roots together. So, uh, in Toy Story 3, the infant actor that voiced Big Baby's real name is Woody. 
That's a terrible thing to name your child. Uh, apparently, the only a lot of the film crew had babies that like auditioned for it, um, and they only picked this one because of his name. Sure. Um, so Pixar used to make commercials before they were a major animation studio. They worked with uh, Tropicana, Lifesavers, and Listerine. <clears throat> uh, apparently, Monsters Inc. Boo, Monster Inc.'s Boo, said that completely wrong still, but we're going to go with it, um, was supposed to be a grown man who stumbled into the monster world, and they decided um, on... The character of Boo instead. That would be weird if it was a fully grown man. Um, I don't think the story would have worked. I don't know when this article came out, but their biggest flop at the time was the good dinosaur that brought in $329 million. But Toy Story 3 made almost three times that, ranking in a billion dollars. Yeah. Woody was supposed to be a ventriloquist's dummy instead of a cowboy. Um, Toy Story 2 was almost accidentally deleted. Somebody ran a command hey, to clear just like out our the podcast. system. <laughs> That's true. Um, could clear out the system, um, and all the files were deleted, but somebody had, like, the files on their personal computer, and so they were able to, they had, like, the backup that way. Okay. Um, so during a lunchtime brainstorm um, session with John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, John Joe Ranfit, Ranft, and Pete Doctor, who were all, I guess, people at Pixar. Um, they were having a meeting about Toy Story um, and, like, started, like, brainstorming other ideas. And they eventually, like, brainstormed A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and Wally. Wow. Pixar wanted to make a Calvin and Hobbes movie. But um, Bill Watterson rejected the offer. That's the creator of Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah, and so they're best made for print and not a movie. Do you have a favorite? What's your favorite Pixar movie? Oh, that's a hard question. I want to say Monsters, Inc. Okay. But it might be Bugs Life. Okay. Um, I would say, like, those two are probably my favorite. Yeah. What about you? Um, I want to say Finding Nemo. But, but it's, it's going to say be Wally. It's probably still Wally. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, between Finding Nemo and Wally. Um, I love Wally so much. It's so cute. He's so cute. Um, I'm just looking through, like, a list lists of, like, the most iconic in like funny like best overall like moments from Pixar and someone said the scene in Toy Story where Buzz Lightyear is speaking in Spanish that's so good <laughs> yeah when he gets like reset yeah the other really good scene from that and that I feel like I quoted that's what Toy Story 2 yeah yeah um that I quoted a lot I feel like in high school and I still sometimes quote it is the class from the first Toy Story? It moves. Um, yeah, that one's a good one. Um, what else is in here that's funny? Oh, someone says Inside the Whale and Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we'll talk more about that. Like, when, when Dory's, like, making... Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
uh, anything in, or it says most of the conversations in The Incredibles, especially Bob and Frozone talking in the car between listening to the police scanners. Oh my god, wait, where's my super suit? That's iconic. (laughs) Where's my super suit? There's some, like, really good moments in The Incredibles, and I remember, um... There's some, like, moments in there that are definitely meant for, like, the parents. Oh, yeah. Well, um, the, the one I'm thinking about specifically, it, it, I don't think it was actually in the movie, but it was in, like, all of the trailers. Mm-hmm. It's, like, when Bob is, like, trying, to, he's, like, clearly yeah. out of shape and is yep. trying to, like, get into his super suit. And he's, like, falling over all yep. over the office, knocking everything over. Yeah. I, it's not in the movie. I don't think so. Like, I remember that. I think the little clip that they, like, cut. Yeah. Okay. It may have been, like, part of it may have been in the movie, but, like, the full-length clip yeah. was, like, th- that was the only, like, teaser trailer. There was, like, no explanation for what this movie was. I just remember the trailer is just this man, animated man trying to get into, like, a yep. super suit, and he's, like, falling all over the office. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also think of anything with Edna. Yep. In Incredibles. Yeah. Um, I think what's fun about Pixar, too, is, like, they do that. Like, they create these, like, longer segments mm-hmm. um, that are, aren't are released in the movie. They're, like, they're just out there. Yeah. And um, you have to go, like, find a YouTube video if you want to see it again. But they're, it's fun that they just do that as part of the promo. I also forgot, and someone mentions this here, that some films, it usually, it started, like, in the early 2000s. They have, like, outtakes that they made yes. they're like intentional bloopers <laughs> that like, you have to yeah you had to draw them like that doesn't yeah, happen yeah right like yeah. one says um toy story 2 outtakes especially where buzz burps after having a burrito <laughs> like yeah and then there's one from toy story 3 i think of ken dancing it's mm-hmm. like ken barbie yeah and it's, i know exactly what you're talking about it's yeah. like none of that's real no, like that they, didn't happen they, like, they had to they like animate, animate that. that yeah so i think that's just a really but funny. it's fun because like you do lose that and like bloopers are fun to watch like i loved watching like like parks and rec oh reels are, like shows like that are fun oh yeah so, so then like doing it for an animated movie I just to give you that experience yeah of, like there being a blooper to watch yeah it's just so intentional in the way that they market and like the experience of watching the movie a lot of these that people are listing are, like, really sad ones. So it's, like, not as fun to talk about. Um, obviously, when Sully sees Boo again is, like, a big one. Uh, the married life scene in Up is, mm-hmm. like, well-recognized. Oh yeah, like, the saddest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, when Nemo's mom dies. Um, my The one that wrecks me every time I see it is when Dory gets lost in Finding Dory. Oh, yeah. And, like... She's a baby. She's like a baby. Yeah. Or a, a child or whatever version of Dory. And she can't find her parents. I was in the movie theater crying. Like there, there's some hard hitting moments in, in Pixar. Pixar is like, like super to, emotional. I know. And they know how to like pull at your heartstrings for like, and I think that's what stands them, what makes them stand so far apart. Uh, Cause like a lot of movie production companies like just churn movies. Like they mm-hmm. pump them out. And Obviously, Pixar spends a lot of money in the movies that they make to be able to do this. Like, there's a huge, huge budget to animate and, like, for the voice acting, um, all the work that goes into it. And everything they do is so intentional. They they work so hard to make the best film possible. I'm looking through the list of, like, the saddest uh, Pixar moments now. (laughs) So, uh, number one is Married Life from Up. Yeah. 
Number two, meaning like this is like the most. Most the, sad. Yeah. Toys. Yeah. Um, Andy's goodbye in Toy Story 3. That's when they leave the toys at the little girl's house. Yep. Um, Jessie's song in Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. where she talks about being like left behind. Um, when Bing Bong disappears in Inside Out. Okay. Like to her imaginary friend. Yeah. Um, I remember that is really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, remember me basically from Coco. Oh God. So, uh, hold on. We can come back to that. When Woody becomes a lost toy in Toy Story 4, because like at the end of Toy Story 3, it had like such a, like a just mm-hmm. well-rounded ending. Yeah. Uh, also apparently they're making a Toy Story 5. Why? Really? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's their big... Yeah. And then, I have not seen this movie, but number seven on here is Barley Says Goodbye to His Father, and it's from Onward. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I haven't either, so I don't know what this is about. But, well, now you know. Can I tell the Coco story now? Yeah. Okay, so, I was on a flight from Richmond to Denver, because I was on a work trip going on vacation, and I went straight there. And Coco was on the United, like, app to watch. And I'm, like, sitting in a row by myself. And this flight's pretty empty. Uh, and I'm just, like, watching Coco on the plane. And I just start sobbing. And the guy <laughs> in front of me turns around to see if I'm okay. And I'm, like, I'm just watching Coco. It's okay. He goes, oh, please carry on. <laughs> I was, like, that was, the, that was the whole interaction. Oh, my God. I'm just, like, sobbing. I just, like, don't think Coco's, like, it's not sad. So I'm not going to cry over, like, how happy it is i don't know i was like sobbing when i was watching it i remember so i watched coco for the first time you guys i think i was i can't remember why i was talking to you guys about this because it was like our a, a good bit of our friend group we were all texting and i was like oh, i'm watching coco for the first time and everyone's like oh did you cry and i was like when would i have cried like at what point and you guys were all like you fucking psychopath. I mean, we call you a psychopath How'd you not all the cry time. during that? So. It's a happy ending. Well, <laughs> you are still a psychopath. Um, I don't want to talk. There's a lot of like good things that it comes that I've seen listed, and I don't want to talk about them because they're Finding Nemo related. Okay. Um, so we'll come back to any of the Finding Nemo ones next week. Um, one of the things I really loved about bugs life that i always think about is like the circus of bugs Mm -hmm. and like all the scenes where they're on the road is the circus and like how like crazy that concept is a bug's life is i think the first actually i don't know do you know what your first experience with the pixar movie was well i would say probably probably was watching bug's life because i was too young to have gone to the theater to see toy story and remember it yeah i think for me it was bug's life as well because that was the first one and i think we had it like vhs or something yeah well because i think i saw bug's life in theaters i don't think i saw it in theaters but again i can't tell you because i was like what five yeah i mean i would have been like seven so i I really i don't remember but a bug's life is the first one i remember watching i definitely think i watched toy story when i was a kid yeah but i don't really remember it yeah obviously we all watched toy story but but i think bug's life is the one i remember the most like that's probably my earliest experience yeah and i like i vividly remember like the the water drops Yes, that's like the the main thing I took out of that, and I still like for, to this day, I, like when I think about that memory of like watching it, I just remember the water droplets like looking so crazy for an animated film. 
the main takeaway I got from that movie is that the majority needs to take the means of production from the minority. <laughs> Tell me that's not the plot of the movie. I mean, it is. I also remember, and it's not related to Pixar, but around that same time, DreamWorks came out with Ants. With think, a Z. So I think we talked about this in the Disney episode. I feel like, because I, I, or you and I have just talked about this at some point. Because, yeah, it came out. No, we talked about this maybe on the episode. Because the person that did Ants was like a disgruntled person, I think. Yes! From A Bug's Life. Yeah, that checks out. Something like that, right? I can tell you. I have the internet. It was like someone that was on the, the Bug's Life production. Ants with a Z. Also, Ants that movie is cursed. The movie is horrifying. <laughs> they were released within six weeks of each other in 1998. Both have worker ants as heroes saving their colony and falling for a princess in the process. I'm telling you, that movie's cursed. It's so creepy looking. The ants are like terrifying. <laughs> ants is very much like the we have a bug's life at home. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, wait, now I'm trying to figure out all the tea. This was like how many fucking years ago? And I'm like, give me the tea and why ants <laughs> and a bug's life had a feud. Okay, so it says development began in 1998 when Walt Disney Feature Animation pitched a film called Army Ants about a pacifist worker and teaching lessons of independent thinking. It couldn't have been in 98 because it came out in 98. 1988, sorry. Dyslexia. Um, meanwhile, Jeffrey Katzenberg had left the company in a feud with the CEO over a vacant position. Katzenberg would later go on to help co-found DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. And the three planned to rival Disney with the company's new animation division. So they definitely knew about Ants. <laughs> or sorry, they knew about A Bug's Life. And then somebody left Disney and then created DreamWorks mm-hmm. to make a rival movie. And then it says, during its production, a public feud erupted between Jeffrey Katzenberg and Steve Jobs of Pixar due to their sim- the production of their similar film. Somebody says, while well, Bug's Life is a Pixar movie, Ants is doing the- its utmost best to be a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I do want to, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about it because the Finding Nemo thing. Why are people attracted to that one fish? Have you not heard people talk about the, the being attracted to oh, the wait, one fish? Oh, the the scar? Yeah. The, the hot fish? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, of all the fish, though, that one is the hottest. <laughs> if, I were, if you were to tell me... That there was a hot fish in Finding Nemo. That is the one I would pick, I guess is what I'm saying. Do you want to know what I'm looking up right now? Why do people think that fish is hot in Finding Nemo? Uh, cursed internet things. Is there an answer? Uh, it's because he's, he's... Somebody on Reddit said I'd risk boy. it all for the hot fish from Finding Nemo. You just want to earn his love. I think people are, like, secretly attracted to Willem Dafoe. Is that Willem Dafoe? That's Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe has a huge dick, so maybe that's why. You could just tell. <laughs> you, just tell. you can just do the animation. Uh, okay, so we're coming back in a couple weeks to talk more about this. 
Um, we'll talk about Ratatouille next time. Okay. I'm not going to remember that. No. <laughs> no. There's so many memes about Ratatouille, too. I also don't know how that became a thing. Like, all of a sudden, one day, my TikTok feed was a bunch of people being like, we're going to make a Ratatouille <laughs> musical. Like, what? It's just, like, weirdly relevant again. Like, it came people, out in 2007. I know. But people just, like, talking about Ratatouille a lot lately. It's, yeah, it's been, like, uh, its own meme at this point. It like, is, I saw yeah. something recently where someone graduated from chef school and they took off the hat and they had a fucking <laughs> fake mouse. Or rat, or whatever the fuck he is. I mean, I assume he's a rat, because it's rat, too. That's the name of the dish! He could be anything. <laughs> yeah, but I feel I'm like... Kidding. If, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're not going to get a mouse at Tui. You know, like... <laughs> They have the opportunity to call a ratatouille, so he's, he's definitely a rat. I'm kidding. Um, what if he wasn't? What if he was a mouse? No, uh, they already have a mouse in Disney. They don't need another one. That's true. Do you have anything you want to cover before we... <laughs> this is already devolved into chaos. <laughs> it devolved very quickly. <laughs> we just started going on Reddit, and that's what fucking happens. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. Next one, we'll talk about Finding Nemo and a little bit more about some, like, select movies that we want to talk about. Yep. And with that, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five-star rating. I almost burped. You just burped. That was definitely a burp. (laughs) That was a burp. I don't know what that was. Uh, Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a written review. Um, talk to us on social media. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Um, I had had three energy drinks today, so I'm, I'm zooming right now. Um, please interact with us on social media. You said that twice. I know. Go listen through the song. You'll hear all of our contact information. Um, and then we will see you in May. That was the episode. So we love hearing from you. Um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.